When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, uh, thank you for joining us on, on this week's episode of The Tribe Supper. It's myself, Dom Shaw, and, and Craig Johns here. No Andrew Musgrove, who's, who's on a week off. Although I noticed this week, well, yeah, I noticed this week he'd been nominated for a Digital Journalism Award, so I hope he's not getting too big for his boots again. Yeah, big time now, too big for Tripe Supper, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know yet, but I've presumed the awards for the podcast. For this podcast, yeah, he hasn't said it, but you'd think so. Yeah, yeah, we'll take the credit, man. <laughs> um, how are you doing anyway, Craig? Relaxed after your week in Devon? Yeah, all good. Just about recovering. It was a it was a busy week down there, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was excellent. Um, you know, nice to be down there. Michelle uh, mentioned many times the heat down there and everything. It made for a, a nice week in terms of any kind of off time you got. I was I was hitting the beach as me. I'm not going to get abroad this summer, so get on the beach. And uh, didn't think I'd ever say that at seven o'clock uh, on a night I'd be in the sea in in England. But uh, but there you have it. But uh, yeah, obviously the trip uh, for for Middlesbrough was designed around um, you know building fitness for the new season. They had three friendly, uh, friendlies while they were down there, and um, and also some really tough training. And as I say, what was very very hot conditions, it was almost like when you know you talk about in pre season going abroad for this uh, warm weather training, but they didn't need to go abroad for it this summer. They had it down there, and uh, I imagine there was some very tough sessions down there. And uh, yeah, really productive week for Borough down there. Um, I think as well as that fitness. There was also plenty of team bonding, the, the famous Neil Warnock barbecue, and there was uh, a Diego carton for them. Um, so, yes, I'm sure things were, were coming together nicely following that week down there. I, I laughed at York in midweeks. I was at York on Tuesday night, and all the club staff were well tanned. They looked like they, they looked like they'd had a week in Spain or Greece, never mind a week down in down in Cornwall. You can tell who'd, who'd been down there and who hadn't, who'd had to stay at, uh, stay at Rockley. Um, where, where, where do we stand then, do you think? So we're recording this ahead of Borough's game against Rotherham on Friday night. Um, you might be listening after the game. Um, but, but we've got a week or so to go now until the new season. Bulk of pre-seasons underway. Uh, so a bulk of pre-seasons have been played, sorry. Where, where do Borough stand, both on the pitch and, and in terms of transfers? We'll, we'll, we'll get the transfers um, in, in depth later in the pod. But, but just as a wrap-up, what, what's your take on, on how the summer's gone? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because, you know, as you say, without going too in-depth yet into transfers, I think we're seeing, uh, what if you like, a kind of solid 11 starting to form. And I know there's still part of that, like at York City, for example, Johnny Housen was coming in for his first game. We haven't seen Mark Baller yet in the side, who he'll obviously slot in and become part of that strongest 11. But I think we are starting to see a, a strong 11 with a clear vision and a clear kind of tactical formation um, that would be preferred, kind of building, forming and, and developing uh, within that squad. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the big issue last season and, and certainly still the case now, I think, is is that depth. I mean, you, you were at York, so I'll let you kind of talk about York uh, in more depth. But for me, watching from home, 
he obviously rested uh, and took precautions with Duncan Watmore and, and Marcus Tavernier. Uh, and to me, Borough, you know, really, really missed both and, and just didn't look the same attacking threat that they had all week in uh, in Devon without those two players. And, and to me, that speaks volumes about, you know, the depth that they're still missing and that they still need. Yeah, I, I, that was that. Um, the left side's obviously an issue that, that needs addressing, isn't it? But everyone knows that. You know, Jed Spence had to play there in midweek, and um, Colton and Ball are, won't be available, or, or as things stand, they're not available, not expected to be available next week um, at Fulham. So, that, so they need, they obviously need someone down that side, and you know, we, we know that they're looking at Kieran Brown and Keen Bryan's another one who's been heavily linked. Um, he's a free agent. Um, but I, I completely agree. And, 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 you know, with Sammy Amiobi, uncertainty over Sammy Amiobi's injury, we don't know how long he's going to be out. Warnock said on Tuesday when he was asked that he's struggling, um, but he didn't put a date on how long he'd be out. But he, even if, and my, my guess, just, just kind of, you know, the vibe I'm getting, my guess is he's not going to be available next week. Even if he was, he hasn't had a pre-season. He hasn't played a game. He hasn't, he hasn't been away. So it's been so frustrating for Amiobi. Um, but completely agree with what you're saying there. If you take Tavernier and Watmore out, um, I, I like Crooks uh, from what I've seen, that one game in the Plymouth yeah. stream. I like Crooks playing advanced and looking to run beyond um, and work off Ikpiezu. I think that'll work really well. But you're still short in that area, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I think you, you need a couple of attacking midfielders. Um, regardless of what shape you're going to play really i mean even you know if you play wing back if you play the three four three three five two whatever you want to call it then then your wing backs need to provide pro provide the width obviously um but then they haven't have they got the players to make that work i think i think i was saying um to the lads at york this week i think with that three four three shape i, I like the spine of the team um i really like the spine of the team it's it's just down the flanks isn't it at the minute where 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 you where you obviously borough are short and yeah. as much as Bowler was excellent last season, um, I, I do think Bowler's more of a left back than a left wing back, and that, and that that sounds daft really because I know he's played there in the past. He's played as a winger, and so he's he's certainly comfortable going forward. But I just think he looks more comfortable in a in a back four really than a, than than with wing backs. But yeah, there there is work to do. I think Warnock's pleased with what he's got done so far. Um, but really he needs a couple in in the next week, doesn't he? Especially a left yeah. side. Yeah, and I think, you know, just going back to what you were saying about Bola there and being a left-back, I think the signs of that being the case on the right-hand side as well with uh, with Anthony Dykesdale, I think I think playing in that formation with Dykesdale as, as a wing-back on the right-hand side probably works in your games like Norwich away last season where he played a five. Uh, he played a three-man, like three centre-backs, but it almost was a five because the wing-backs won you know, getting forward, weren't asked to get forward as much. And I think against York where and against championship teams where if you play that formation, the emphasis might be on the wing backs, as you say, to get forward and, and provide that width. There were just signs at times that Dykesdale wasn't as as kind of familiar with the role, familiar with the position, and he was perhaps caught out a few times where he was maybe too advanced or or not advanced enough. And you know, I, I mean, I guess he can learn that as as time goes on, learn that role a bit more. Because as we see, Borough tended to go to a three last season, and if Dykesdale was at wing back, uh, it, it would be as a five more than a three. Um, so yeah, this season if they are playing that, I think there'll be time, a lot more times where the the emphasis is, is more on attack and, and more on the wing backs providing that attack. But uh, I, I do wonder if Dykesdale, like Waller, is is more of a, a right back 
rather than a right wing back. But but I suppose with their, uh, I mean, there's, there's still doubts and, and speculation over his future as well. But that role seems more suited to Jed Spence, the right wing back role. So perhaps you know, as we as you said, he had to go over to the left to cover. Um, on Tuesday at York, but p- perhaps they've already got that. They're maybe, you know, it's maybe asking a bit too much given what they also need elsewhere in the squad to find another right wing back as well. They've probably already got that in Spence if they want to keep him. But uh, but yeah, I do question whether you know Dykesdale still has work to do in terms of of learning that wing back role if they are attacking. Um, but but yeah, of course. I mean, the the other thing with that is. Um, you know, after York, you, you spoke to Warnock and he, he made clear, didn't he, that, um, you know, if that was a, an actual game, if that was an actual competitive game, he'd have probably been changing the formation after five minutes anyway, because, uh, you know, it was clear that that wasn't the right balance for that game. Yeah, he, he, he wanted, he spoke a lot to you about this, didn't he, in Devon? He wanted that test. He, he likes what he's seen going forward, I think, especially when you've got Tavernier and Watmore in. And, um, you know, I really like those two buzzing off, buzzing off um, Ick Piazza as, as well as Crooks as well. Um, but obviously he wanted the test at the other end and York provided that. I know that might sound a bit daft of a National League North team, but um, they played some, they played some, Cracking stuff. Passed um, it well, didn't they? And yeah, they really did. fast as well. They were fast moving team. Yeah, they looked really sharp and they've had a good pre season. I think they've the draw with Sunderland and beat Newcastle. That's right. And, um, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, you'd, you'd put your. I haven't had. Can you, get, can you get odds on National League North promotion? If you can, I might have to double. Um, yeah. Sure. I've look never looked into it, funnily enough. <laughs> Probably a good thing. Probably the type of thing where I'd think, yeah, has he got an issue if he's gambling in the National League North? Um, the. I, th- I think um, there the, the were, po- you know, Warnock took positives the other night. He, he took positives from the fact that the, the team did get that test. Johnny Housen got the first, got his first hour of so under his belt, which is obviously a big plus. Um, Isaiah Jones from the bench looked looked really sharp. You know, Warnock said afterwards he's still got to work on his on his final product, which he has, but. Um, he keeps it simple, doesn't he? He doesn't really complicate it. He gets the ball and uses his speed to get past players. Uh, I've heard from from a couple of people separately, kind of off the record this summer, um, on just how impressed they were with with Jones's spell up at Queen of the South before it was unfortunately disrupted by injury. Uh, and again, this summer, you know, all and I know it's the same year. All I've heard is good things about Jones and and Jeremy Sivy. Now. We know, you know, we know we're not going to expect too much too soon. And, you know, you can't go into a new season expecting kind of untried and inexperienced players like that to step up. Um, But they are both a bit of a wildcard option, aren't they? Um, And I think the other plus for me in in the last couple of games is is how quickly Matt Crook has taken to life at Borough. I thought he was very good at at Plymouth, considering he'd signed, you know, less than 12 hours before. Um, And again, at at York, he... uh, he, he was, um, he, you know, he's imposing, he's physical. You can't miss him, can you? And I say that having pulled him, pulled him behind him at the, uh, in the car park and, and strolled in behind him. Yeah, he's a big towering physical presence. I, th- I think he's looked good. I really like the look of him. Yeah, it was interesting watching him at Plymouth because I'd, I'd spoken to uh, Paul Davies at the Rotherham Advertiser the day before the Plymouth game uh, to kind of get a, an idea of what he's like and, and do the uh, the expert view on it on him. And um 
and you know, and everything Paul was saying was was the opposite of what you'd have in your mind of a player that looked like Crooks did. He's obviously, as you say, he's uh, I think he's six foot five, isn't he? He's a big, imposing fella. Uh, but but then Paul was talking about how you know he gets the ball, he's underrated with the ball at his feet, he drives at teams, and he, he was telling us about you know how much pace he's got. There was the brilliant story about the um, the the mile trial that Rotherham now do. Apparently, it's quite a a big thing in Rotherham at the start of pre-season since Paul Warren's been there. It's uh, the the run this mile on the first day of pre-season, and it's a, a grueling mile as well. It's not like I mean Dom's big into his athletics. Uh, I don't know how long it would it would stand and take you to run a mile on a, on a track, but this is not a track. It's on grass, and there's bits that are uphill, bits that are downhill. Uh, and he, he was telling us that you know nobody has ever broken five minutes doing that. This summer, Matt Crooks broke five minutes and became the first person ever to do it. Um, he's, he's, and he, you know, Paul was telling us all this and how athletic he is, how how good at running and he is, and what an engine he's got. And then you saw that come into practice at Plymouth. He kind of played that, you know, the interesting uh, kind of midfield di- um, dynamic that they've had going on in preseason in that four three three, where they've been a bit more expansive by having just the one anchor in midfielder. Uh, and then letting the second midfielder push on and almost make that forward line of four. And, and Crooks played that role where he was he was asked to drive forward. And I thought it was noticeable in the kind of first five or so minutes at Plymouth that he was still dropping a bit too deep uh, in terms of what Warnock wanted. And and he, he did. He, he shouted on to Crooks and kind of told him, you know, get further up. I, I don't want you dropping deeper and helping Marcy out. Um, and so he did. He, he drove Burrow on, and of course, uh, you know, a couple of minutes later, fifteen minutes into the game, he, he scored. And you could see all throughout that game, you know, he has pace to burn, and he, he really does like drive Burrow forward in that midfield. And uh, you know, he, he could be a real, you know, one. I think he put ten to fifteen goals on him uh, before he signed him, didn't he? Kind of said he thinks he could get that much. I think that might be a bit of an ask, but I think he can certainly contribute in terms of also assists. Um, you know, about 15 goals next season because from that fit midfield, he really does look the player who can, you know, drive Burrow on. And we said it many times last season, there was the kind of sorted out at the back. They had this stability at the back. Okay, they did concede a few sloppy goals every now and then, but they were solid at the back in general. Uh, and where they just struggled was with that link between the two. They never quite managed unless teams you know, came really far forward and played a really high line that allowed them to transition quickly and get in behind. They never really had the link between defence and attack. Uh, and I think Crooks has got all the attributes to to kind of be that man and, and do that role. Uh, really impressive. For what I, was saying I, th- for I think, did I really 448 he'd run for that mile? I think something like that, that rings a bell, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, get him in the bullet 10k. Yeah. <laughs> Um, new, uh, new challenge for you, Dom, is it? New yeah, challenge. yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat the Borough player. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be good that. I remember when, uh, it, like during lockdown, when, um, you know, there was the stoppage last year, um, and obviously players were keeping fit, and um, Borough players, uh, sorry, Borough players, uh, football players were, were posting their 5k times on Strava and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was causing quite the stir in the athletics world as to whether these times that some of them were running were genuine i'm sure ross ross barkley posted one i can't remember what the time was but it was obscene but what, what he'd <laughs> run and you think and you know that can't be right um ross barkley as well he doesn't ever kind of um 
you know, spring to mind when you think of footballers who'd have like, you know, that, that kind of engine that we're talking about with Matt Crooks. You, you don't initially think, oh, Ross Bartley for kind of, you know, the engine and running. Yeah. No, no, not um, no. He's certainly not a Martin Darun or Angolo Kante type type yeah. figure. Um, yeah. on, on the on the on the goals thing, it was interesting that it, it, the, Matt Crooks ten to fifteen goals, and then um, he said uh, Warnock said in midweek that sorry, I'm just getting distracted by the Olympics football that's on in front of me there. Um, Warnock said in midweek that he, he wants that he, for him his centre half should be getting five or six goals after Dale's goal, which was a, an excellent header from a brilliant McNair cross. Um, and and you, you completely get that, don't you? You know, Fry and Hall should be um, should be going to town, really, when you consider McNair's deliveries. Then we know that he wants, you know, double figures from Tavernier and what more. You can sense, can't you? You know that obviously uh, Piers, who's going to be the main man up front. We know that they want at least one more striker, probably two. Um, but but the on the the onus on getting the goals this year isn't just going to be on those centre forwards. It has to come from all over, doesn't it? Even you know, even Marcy and, and Johnny House and whoever in the middle, you know, he'll want them to chip in with three or four, won't he? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, the likes of Morsi and Housen can be just almost sitting back a bit. And uh, certainly Morsi, I mean, uh, you saw more of Housen over the years. Uh, I never really saw any signs of it last season. But certainly Morsi, there were signs that, you know, if the ball drops out, headed out from a set piece or what have you, you know, he's got the quality on the ball to ping one back in from the edge of the box. And uh uh, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I think those goals will be shared this season. What I've liked about Ipiazu in uh, pre-season so far, he does the unselfish centre-forward work, but he's got underrated skills with his feet. I've said this a couple of times watching him. You know, he can, he can, he, he doesn't beat a man, you know, one-on-one -on -one with with skill or anything like that. It's just pure raw strength. He can just go go past them and just, you know, nudge them off with his shoulder. He's got a nice little ping on him, particularly I've noticed his left foot. Uh, he's got a decent little curling finish with his left foot. Uh, so I expect him to ping a few in like that. I think he, he scored exactly like that for Wickham against Borough, didn't he, on uh, on January 2nd? Um, I'm sure that was exactly how he scored against Borough. Uh, yeah, I've noticed... Yeah, I've I've noticed that he does that a lot and he, he looks good doing that. He doesn't mind a shot at all if he gets into a decent enough area. But I think, like you say, Watmore and Tavernier in particular could really, really thrive off playing off him because he does do the unselfish centre-forward work really well. And particularly Watmore, I noticed a little partnership brewing there and I asked Watmore about it when I spoke to him uh, after the Tavistock game last Wednesday. And, um, you know, he's, he's excited about it. We know... What more can finish? He, he came in, you know, um, halfway, well, not quite halfway through, but late on last season and still managed 10th. And that was at times he was playing as the centre forward himself. And, and we know, you know, looking at Duncan physically, he's not uh, the kind of centre forward that Warner would typically like in his team, but he still managed 10 goals. Uh, I think next season, if you can get Watmore playing as close to Piazu as often as possible, you know, fading off his little flicks and uh, and things like that, I think Watmore could absolutely thrive next season. And I think he definitely could, uh, you know, improve on that 10 goals and get at least 15. Well, I think the thing with Watmore is that there are a number of factors, number of factors to consider. One, he didn't have a pre-season last year, which which yeah. we know that you you know you spoke to him about that last week. Um, he hasn't had a pre-season, a full pre-season for a few years, so he's going to be sharper than he's yeah. ever been before. Um, you know, last year he came into a team. I know he was desperate to prove a point, so obviously found that extra couple of percent. But um, he came into a team and, and had no time really to adjust to get it, to get his head around how they were playing and 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 what his role would be. Um, 
And then thirdly, you know, late in the season, Warnock talked, didn't he, about how grateful he was for what more just doing a job selflessly in, in various different positions. He'd, he'd almost dropped into to playing as a midfielder at times at the back end of last season. Then we saw him play as, as the out-and-out striker. Um, so I think, you know, consider consider how impressive he was last year. And then and then when you consider those factors, um, I think, you know, keep him fit. And, and he's, it goes without saying he's going to be a vital player this year. And for me, um, I, I think it's highlighted every time that Tavernier was missing last season and in the summer, you know, he, he's Borough's most important player. I think he's the man uh, who makes it happen. He's the link-up man. He, he can provide that spark, pick that pass. Um, I, th- I think you know, getting keeping Tavernier on the pitch. We saw it in the second half of last season, didn't we? When he was injured, just how much Borough missed. Um, Borough missed him. Uh, you know, if he stays fit, then I, th- I think for me, he's going to be one of the championship standout players this coming season. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that that you know that dynamic that they've had up top when they've been playing um, three four three has been really interesting because they've almost given. Uh, Tavernier, like uh, he's given Tavernier this kind of free roaming role where it's clear that you know he's just told to just float about in there and, and go anywhere, pick up the ball, look to get on the ball, and look to make things happen. Where it's clear Duncan Watmore's kind of um, you know role is more as we see, trying to run in behind, trying to anticipate the flicks of Ikpiazu and and, uh, and and doing that. And it's interesting the way they've uh, they've kind of found that balance between the three of them already. Um, it, w- it was noticeable in the first game down in Devon last week against Saltash. Uh, they played a more standard 4-3-3 and Watmore was wide left, Tavernier was wide right. And Tavernier was bright. Watmore was bright in, in patches, but not as good as he has as he was in the next two games. And uh, yeah, it was interesting that they were very wide that day. They didn't get as close like close enough to it as they needed to. Um, and and after the second game against Tavistock, where um, where Watmore got two, uh, I asked Warnock about Watmore and, and his kind of partnership with Ipiazu as well. And he, he kind of noted that, you know, Watmore hadn't enjoyed uh, Monday night as much where he'd been out wide and he hadn't been as close. Uh, and, and partly that was down to the fact that in the midfield, Borough didn't manage to find the balls in behind uh, for Watmore to attack. I think if you're going to play with width in that way in a 4-3-3, you need to find a way to get the ball in the channels in behind for the likes of you what more to run onto. I think certainly, I think even next season when they go 4-3-3, I think it, it could almost look like a, a really kind of, um, what's the weird word, like fluid 4-4-2 almost because 4-3-3 with Tavernier technically right and what more left could quite easily become what more very close to it appears almost as a striker and Tavernier just roaming all over in a free roll behind. Uh, so while on paper it looks like 4-3-3, uh, it could be very interesting and it wouldn't surprise me to see that being utilised more because I think those three are already starting to show you know, the capabilities of, of forming a really good little trio up top for Borough there. What would be interesting, I think, is is um, it appears, you know, and... and... He's he's shown in the summer that he 
you know, will start the season as, as the number one striker, and rightly so. Um, but the concern when he went off injured in midweek at York highlighted just how short Burra. I know obviously Chuba Akpom's there, but um, you know Akpom's future is probably uncertain at the minute, um, given given you know the reports that have, have emerged over the course of the summer, and and is you know we we know that his first season didn't go to plan. It'll be interesting what type of striker or strikers. Warnock brings in to 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 compete for the for the place with Ikpiazu. We know that obviously Rodrigo Muniz and all that's going on there. And really, there's no point in in us giving us an update giving us an update on on here now because by the time we finished it, it'll have changed. Every, every it's by the hour. I don't know whether these South American journalists are paid by tweet, but it's um it's by the hour, isn't it? There's a there's an update. My my latest um understanding as of Thursday night was that. Um, Flamengo like, liked Borough's offer. They liked the idea of, of this percentage of a future sale. Um, uh, but Fulham at that point had only made a loan offer and, and Flamengo weren't interested in a loan offer. They wanted a permanent offer. Um, and, and obviously it was down to the player uh, to negotiate as well. Apparently he previously rejected a, a move to Genk a couple of months ago. Um, but then I wake up on Friday morning and... and um, conflicting reports have emerged already so it's yeah it's it's uh, an interesting one that isn't it we'll ask we'll ask warnock about that one again on on friday night but if you if you were to say you know we know that um they're looking at a south american striker or two potentially south american strikers um but but i still think he'll look for another tried and tested player as well up front um because if not you know you, you're taking a gamble aren't you having only having one striker potentially you who knows the division um and then the other interesting one and and i think obviously this is one for us to ask warlock it's gone quiet over the summer is last year at the back end of last season he did talk didn't he about this premier league loanee that he was interested yeah. in and he'd held talks with i think the players representative or he might have even said the player's dad um, I, yeah, I remember rightly. Yeah, that that one's gone quiet. I, I wonder. I wonder who that is. What what you know? Whether whether a, a Premier League, a young Premier League striker might might come in. Purely purely speculative. But I do think it's interesting how how the whole striker target update latest plays out in the coming weeks. Yeah, well, obviously the obvious one to kind of speculate on there, and again, it, important to stress it is just speculation, but they have been linked with that Delap at, uh, at Manchester City, and of course, uh, you know, I'm sure over the years, um, you know, Warner came across his uh, his dad playing for for Stoke and whatnot, and it, it is interesting that the kind of the latest reports coming out of that one is that um, Liam who's at who's in Manchester's academy, um, you know, favours a move to Stoke. Um, you do wonder if if that's who Warnock was alluding to when he was going to speak to uh, to the lab about his son and uh, and you know maybe you know favour and Stoke has something to do with his with his dad's career and, and and his dad playing obviously many years at Stoke and, and knowing that club inside out. Um, you know, again, that's that's purely speculation. We have no uh, inside information on that one, but uh, yeah, there was very exciting noises about that to lap and 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 what he's like as a player and and what he could what could be capable of. I think, you know, if you were signing Ipiazu, a South American, as you say, you do kind of wonder, does that leave you with enough kind of championship now? Uh, but then you would think, you know, what Warnock said, you know, he doesn't worry about the South Americans uh, in terms of, you know, physically competing because they're born to do that. And, uh, 
you know, so you think if you have the two strikers like that, then a young Premier League striker like a Delap, although if if he favours Stoke, as is uh, the kind of speculation at the moment, then maybe not Delap, but someone like Delap. Um, you know, you, that gives you three solid centre forward options, and uh, you know, I think that would be be interesting. It's a risk because, as you see, you know, the the South American, whoever the South American ends up being, uh, you know, might not take to to life in the championship. Uh, so you have to take a risk, but you know that's that's what you have to do. There's there's nothing saying that you go and sign a proven championship striker. You've done that plenty of times. They did that with British Hambolonga, uh, and and it didn't work out when he got to Borough. Okay, you'd like to think this summer the 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 kind of way the target and scout a player will be will be a lot better suited to what they actually need. Um, but there's no guarantees with any transfer a player. You know, as we're seeing with with Sammy Hamiobi now, a player can come in and get injured very early in their uh, in the career, and 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 that doesn't quite work out. Obviously, I'm not saying it's not going to work out overall for Sammy Hamiobi, but at the moment he was brought in to do something very specific for Borough, and he, at the minute he's not able to do it. He's not being able to to get up the match fitness. He's not being able to integrate into the squad because he wasn't down in Devon, uh, and so you know that's just uh, the point that. No matter who you sign, there's no guarantees with any transfer. Any transfer is a risk in that sense. And it should, uh, you know, we should point out that um, we shouldn't write Chubarak Pom off. He's, he's still at the club. Um, and, and while, you know, he's, he's, there, has, there has been a lot of speculation over his future, as things stand, he's, he's still at the club. And if Vic Piezu uh, isn't fit to play, then Akpom will, would, would be the obvious would be the obvious man to lead the line. Though it was interesting um, that Warnock went out of his way a couple of times on, on Tuesday to, to praise Josh Coburn and, and his movement and how sharp he looked. It was it was the first look we've got at Coburn. He, he uh, had COVID over the summer, which, um, you know, thankfully he was fine and he's, 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 he's up to speed now. Um, but really frustrating for him because, you know, he'll have been absolutely on a high at the end of last season, won't he? Desperate to go. So obviously that stopped him in his tracks, but he, he did look sharp when he came on. His movement was was really good. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Coburn this summer, this season, because last year Warnock suggested, didn't he, that he, he'd rather keep him at the club and keep a close eye on him than send him yeah. out on loan. But then obviously things change. So it'll be interesting to see to see how that plays out. Same too with, with Sivy and Jones. I know we talked about them earlier, um, but Warnock said that they've already had a few League Two clubs on asking about Jones, which I'm not one bit surprised about. Um, you, they, would, they wouldn't struggle to get a suitor for Sivy if they decided that he should go out on loan. But at the minute, you can't risk letting these players go because you're so short in that area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think perhaps for Jones at this stage, particularly if Borough can bring in one more kind of, you know, winger or attacker, uh, it's probably a good move for Jones to go out on loan. Uh, with, with Coburn and Sivy, it's slightly different. I can understand the thinking in that the pair of them are only 18-year-old and they are still still very young. Um, and of course, with any loan move, particularly if it's, uh, you know, far enough and, and ultimately, unless it's perhaps a Hartlepool who are now in League 2, um, you know, with any loan, you're moving away from home as well and you're probably going to be for the first time in your life, you know, living without family or parents around you. And, and that's a big thing as well. You know, we often just talk about footballers in the sense of what happens on the pitch, but, you know, what, what happens on off the pitch as well and away from the game can sometimes be just as important to what happens on the pitch. And so I think with 
particularly with, with Corbin and Sivy, who, as I say, are just the 18 year old. I mean, Sivy's slightly different because, of course, he's a London lad and he's come down to Borough anyway. I don't know his uh, his family situation, but but obviously he's not he's not a Borough lad, so he, he wouldn't have initially been here. So he's moved away from home anyway, being here. But I think you know, at that age, I can understand the thinking in in not sending them out somewhere unfamiliar and keeping them around the club, even if they're not going to play that much for the first team that could be playing for the under-23s while training with the first team. And I think someone, for example, like uh, Josh Corburn, being training with the first team this season, he can pick up and learn so much from watching an Nick Piazu. You know, if, if down the line he's going to model a lot of his game on, on that kind of centre-forward player, then just watching what Ipiazu does and, and watching how he conducts himself and how he trains and, and what he does to stay in the shape that he stays in. You know, I think that could be just as valuable as sending Josh on loan to a club where, you know, with all due respect, wherever it is, uh, the coaching probably won't be as good. The facilities won't be as good. Um, so I can understand the thinking in that uh, in, in not sending Coburn, even if they do out on loan, even if they do get another two strikers. The, the concern is, and, and, and Warner did obviously allude to this at the end of last season when he when he kind of came in and he scored the goal and he made a big impression. And and I, I, if I remember rightly, I think it was uh, it was Mark Murray on BBC T's who kind of said, uh, you know, could that potentially save you some money in the summer transfer window? And, and, and Warner shut that down quickly and it was a no with a laugh. Uh, it was quite clear that he didn't want Coburn to be, you know, that guy that, meant he didn't have to go out and sign a couple of strikers this summer. Uh, the worry is that if he does only manage to get one more in, then, then Coburn's significance increases quite a lot because effectively he does have to become Burroughs' third choice centre forward. And But, yeah, I mean, perhaps it is a bit too early for him, but sometimes, you know, it's sink or swim. And, uh, you know, he swam last season when he was brought in against Sheffield Wednesday and scored that brilliant goal. Uh, and as you say against York, he did. He looked sharp. He looked impressive. There was there was that one moment where the ball was kind of played in towards him, and he he turned his man into the box, used his strength, uh, and and tried to lay it across goal. I can't remember who was in at the back post, but you know it was it was unfortunately cut out. But it was brilliant centre forward play, the the type of stuff that we see Piers who do. So so yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't be overly concerned if Josh Coburn had to play that third uh, you know third choice role next season. But I think ideally you'd want to kind of take that pressure off him a bit and get another two strikers in. Just a quick stoppage to uh, to remind you to, to like and subscribe on the pod, uh, on the channels, wherever you get your podcasts. And also a reminder, you might have seen on, on our social media channels that we've been plugging our 40-page pre-season supplement that myself and, and Craig have worked on. Uh, you've still got time to sign up for that. If you go on the um, uh, Teesside Live and the Borough page, you'll see down the right-hand uh, panel um, how you can sign up. And it'll only cost you pound twenty-five, I think it is, for postage and packaging, which I'm bound to say that, but I think I think that's money well spent. Um, so yeah, sign up for that. It's uh, you've still got. I think you've got until the end of the weekend, start of next week. I will double check that, but um, yeah, do do sign up and you can get it delivered. Uh, Forty page supplement delivered through your door in time for the for the new season, which is is soon rolling round. Um, just a quick one, Craig Lewis Wing left this week. Sheffield Wednesday season long loan. Um, asked Neil Warnock about him afterwards, and uh, he said that you know this, this it definitely isn't the end for Wing at Borough. Borough do have an option to extend. His, 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 his current contract is due to expire next summer, but have an option to extend that. 
you'd imagine they'd activate that and then come next summer you've got two options you can either cash in uh, or if he's impressed as I'd expect him to at, uh, at Wednesday in League One then he comes back and and tries to to force his way back into the team. Um, but it was no surprise to see him go this summer, was it? No, not really. I mean, um, quite unfortunate, really, because I think, uh, you know, in the first two games down down in Devon, albeit Saltash and Tavistock, you have to, you know, to kind of take into context the opponents. But I think he was absolutely the best player in both of those games. Um, he kind of almost played a Tavernier role in, in, in both games. Um you know, that kind of free roaming role with the, the task of getting on the ball and, and getting Burr in behind. And, and I thought he made Burr a tick in both games when he was on the pitch. I thought he was brilliant and uh, he scored in both as well. Um, you know, so I think he then obviously got the knock at the end of Tavistock and, and that meant he couldn't play against Plymouth, uh, which was unfortunate for him. And, uh, you know, I think watching that, you could have, you could have perhaps thought, oh, you know, maybe he's given himself a, a chance here. But I think with with Matt Crooks arriving and uh, hopefully Pierre or soon to be arriving um, now that Argentina are at the Olympics as well, you know that that depth in midfield has been added to, and I think ultimately, uh, you know, they just. Lewis Wing looks at that and, and appreciates that he's he's down the pecking order. He clearly isn't as trusted by Warnock as he'd like to be. And so, you know, just getting out and, and playing, that suits him down to the ground. Yeah, I, I, you know, there was a few um, a few asking or questioning why he hadn't gone to a championship club. And, you know, no doubt the championship clubs will be interested. Um, but I, I completely get the Sheffield Wednesday move. Big, big club. You know, they'll be challenging at the top end of League One this year. Um and he, he can be a, a, a key man there. Um, you know, he's not having to uproot his family completely. I, I gather he's 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 got a little one on the way, so it's um it makes sense off the pitch as well. Um, and I wish him all the best. Follow following Wing's story over the last three or four years has has been brilliant. I, you know, he, he was Ron Bourne's last signing, which um you know it's, it's some signing really and some legacy. One of numerous dozens and dozens and dozens of of fantastic signings Bourne made over the years. Um. But I remember, and I, and I tweeted about this this week, I remember Tony Pulis was saying that we were over in a press conference and he'd been away uh, on loan at Yeovil um, and he'd impressed there. I think he might have played against Man United in a cup game. I'm sure they played United in a cup tie. Anyway, he'd impressed there. He came back um, and they'd set up a, a kind of a pre-season training game down on the Rockcliffe pitches with kind of fringe players, young lads. And, and Woodgate was a coach at the time and he was down there. And Pulis went down to watch and, and he said he'd watched five or ten minutes and he turned to, to Woodgate and said of Wing, you know, he's, he's in my plans for next season. He's not going out again. I want him to be part of it. Um, and and that at times the next season, although Borough competed for a lot of it at the top end of the table, it, it was a grind to watch at times. You know, it was a hard watch. But Wing was a, a fearless breath of fresh air, really, that year. He was positive. He, he, you know, he... he um, he, 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 well, we know from watching him that he'd have a crack on goal whenever he got the opportunity. I remember going to an MFC Foundation event and interviewing him there, and he was still pinching himself. You could tell at the whole thing that was was happening. You know, he is a lad who was playing for Shildon a year or two earlier, and now he was at a charity event, stood alongside John Obi Mikel. Um, so you can understand why he was kind of, you know, take hard, get, hard to get his head around things. Um, but he was so human then when you talked to him. You know, he was talking about when he worked his night shifts in the shower factory and then he'd go and play on the Saturday. He was saying that he's 
he's still in touch with all the lads we played Northern League with and, and Sunday League. And whenever he had the Sunday off, he'd go down and watch and then go in the club with them afterwards and, 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 and you know, catch up with all his mates and, and tell them how his dad was a massive Borough fan and he's living his dad's dream. And now his dad was able to go and watch Borough and his son on a Saturday, whereas before he was having to split his time between Borough and his son. Um and, and I don't think he's ever had that knocked out of him by the professional game, that kind of rawness, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think it's really great to see that not all footballers have to take the orthodox career path of kind of coming through the academy. There are some that get missed, aren't there? Luke Armstrong's another really, you spoke to him earlier in the summer, who, you know, he had his ups and downs, was released a few times, bounced around on trials all over the place. And it'd be so easy for those players just to knock it on the head, you know, to, to start working in nine or five, to get in the boozers on the Friday and Saturday night with their mates and, and to play Sunday league, you know, on half cut at times at the, at the weekend. But, um, I think it's fantastic when those players kind of don't let the dreams die and they get another chance. And um, yeah, I think Wing's story is inspirational to plenty. Yeah, brilliant story. And uh, as you say, wish him the best. And, and you know, it's an interesting avenue and, and one that Borough haven't, you know, kind of given up looking at as well. If you look at, uh, you know, Jeremy Sivy is the perfect example. He was... Uh, Jones, you know, he was, Isaiah Jones, Sam yeah, Falari in the 20. I think it's yeah. a market the Borough have, the Borough have looked at and, and, and done really well out of the last few years. Yeah, I know they're picking these lads up where they're still young and they still get them in young enough. But but nevertheless, the, the players who, you know, I, I don't want to say they missed because, you know, in Civvy's case, for example, he wasn't missed. He was, he was at Leighton Orient. They decided to release him. He started playing non-league with uh, with Harlow Town, if I remember correctly. And uh, and then even Charlton gave him a trial and, and, and said no, but Burr have picked him up and, and looked like they've got a real talent on their hands. And as you see, you know, Jones, Falarin coming from non-league clubs and... Uh, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting avenue and one that you know, Borough seem to be profiting from. Well, I, I was having a chat with Craig Little at um, Bishop Auckland when, when Borough played there. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but when when he was saying that when Borough, at the end of Civvy's trial, when they told him that he was they were, he was offering him a deal, um, he's, he's never seen a player as happy uh, to, to be offered a deal. And, you know, there's clearly so much desire and hunger there. And and he's taken that into the summer, hasn't he? And, and caught the eye from nowhere, really. I think, you know, obviously not <clears throat> not those at the club because they have eyes on, on what we don't, obviously. But if I'd have been asked at the start of the summer to name three or four players who, who could emerge over the course of the summer, then then Sivy probably wouldn't have been one of them. Um, I didn't know much about him other than the fact he'd, he'd just signed. So again, that's a that's another one. And and Jones and Falarin, I remember talking to their coaches at, um, what do you, I can't think of the name of the club where they came through. Uh, yes, no, no, it wasn't. No. I'll double check. Um, but I remember talking to their coach, uh, sorry about that, um, last season. And the pride that he took, you know, he was saying that um, their job, was obviously to win games on a Saturday, but also to produce players who could make the step up. And, you know, he's he's not bothered if he's losing his best players because they're going to make a, a fantastic career for themselves. And there was three or four examples. I think Mikel Antonio came through there and he's kind of the shining light. But there was another lad who Charlton had signed the year earlier 
then obviously Jones and Falarin. And and he talked about the Borough link up and, and how you know closely he was working with Borough. It, again, you know, even even for the likes of Falarin and Jones, if it if it doesn't work out at Borough, but if they go elsewhere and, and make a career for themselves, then that, that's job done for the Academy coaches. Absolutely. They've they've created a footballer, haven't they? And um they might not create someone for the Borough first team, but they've created a professional footballer for somewhere. It's uh, absolutely job done. Yeah, Tottenham Mitchell it was. That's it, yeah. You knew it was one of the hands. Haven't <laughs> watched Lugo, but uh, yeah. yeah. You got one of them right. Yeah. You got the hands right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, before we wrap up, then, just just um, uh, kind of sum up sum up the summer. What what have been your your main takeaways from, from the summer, Craig? Having, having seen Borough at Devon, obviously, and, and the couple of other games, Bishop and, and York, what, what have been the main takeaways for you? I think um, two two main ones. I think um, one thing we didn't see a lot last season because of uh, various fitness issues was was Borough player with Dale Fry, Paddy McNair, and Grant Hall all in a three. Um, I'd have to look, but I, I would imagine it was very very few times that the three of them all played together. And and okay, I appreciate the the opposition hasn't been opposition that has you know always tested them, but I think you know the the there's, the framework there of another really solid defensive season uh, with, with those three at the back. Um, we already kind of knew that, but just seeing them there together again, uh, you know, that's really reassuring. But I think now as well, um, the the other main takeaway for me is now they've got that centre forward, that type of centre forward that that Warnock always wanted in Ikpiazu. Um, things are looking a lot better at the other end of the pitch as well. But as long as they've got, uh, you know, the right players playing off him, I think, you know, as we said at York on Tuesday night, the, the badly missed Watmore and Tavernier. Uh, Patterson, Jamie Patterson was obviously on trial, but in, in two kind of 45-minute appearances, he's, he's not done much for me uh, but you know we'll see we know he's had a bit of an ankle injury so let's not uh, write him off completely yet but certainly you know what more and Tavernier play off it Piazu, that looks a much better attack and then you look at you know the likes of Matt Crooks and, and perhaps uh, hopefully Pajero when he comes in you know another a midfielder who's going to link up and drive uh, into that final third to add to that attack Um is potentially a lot more exciting than, than what we did manage to say last season. But, but yeah, I think as well, uh, just the, you know, still the lack of, of depth as well. I think as, because as I mentioned, when you take someone like Watmore, Watmore and Tavernier out, the, uh, the, the miss, you, they still haven't got that depth. And so the miss players when they're not there. And that was the key thing at the start of the summer that Warwick said, absolutely has to be addressed. He needs when, when someone drops out, he needs someone to come in straight away and replace them. So that depth is definitely still needed. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Craig. That'll wrap us up. Uh, that'll wrap us up for, for this week's pod. We'll be back next week with a with a full season preview. Um, joined by soon to be award winning Andrew Musgrove, I would imagine if he's if he's back <laughs> next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe the pod. As I said, remember, you can still sign up for our 40-page bumper season preview. Just go to the Borough homepage on Teesside Live for more information on that. Um, have a great weekend and we'll catch up next week.